Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Have you ever asked yourself, what is a good life? This is a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. We often get caught up in trying to manifest the perfect life. But are we clear on what that actually is? I bring you my new class, The Good Life Project, how to love the life you have while manifesting the life that you want. This class is the perfect bridge between mindset and manifestation, teaching you how to access deep clarity of what makes a good life for you and anchoring you in a clear framework that makes it easy for you to see what you'd like to manifest for the future. This class covers what is manifestation and dispelling many common myths about it, how to determine your maxims for a good life, how to figure out where you're starting from so you know where to go, how to deepen the clarity of the picture you have for your life, how to identify limiting beliefs and how to overcome them, how to use your growth to get better results and the integration process, how to notice more magic in your life so you start attracting more in it, and identifying the real role manifestation plays in your life and the purpose it serves. I jam-packed this course in a very direct and concise format so you can get real value that could change your mindset and transform your life in under three hours of content. Most people are looking for someone to give them clarity and guidance, and I'm trying to help you find that within yourself. By learning my method, you'll be able to adjust your perspective to what really matters in your life and get laser-focused on what you'd like to manifest long-term. You can find out more information at thelovelyalia.com or you can go straight to spiritualshitschool.com and check out the many courses we offer. Hello and welcome to another week of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Alia Lovely. How are y'all doing this week? So excited to be with you. So excited for today's podcast. Today is going to take you on a journey for sure. Me and Les Alfred of The Balanced Black Girl get into so many aspects of the human experience, but particularly for both of us as black women. And we go into the aspects of discomfort, which I think will be relatable for anyone, but also what does it mean to create wellness and to create safety, especially for those who are of the minority or marginalized communities. And so this is going to be a very important episode moving forward. And just, I think you guys will really enjoy Les. She's just such a light, just such a wealth of information and the way that she delivers it is so wise. So, so, so wise. So, so stoked about today's episode. What's really cool is on our after show, we ended up talking about the the ability of freedom from debt and what does it mean to become financially free and what does that look like and how does it affect our spiritual life? I was not expecting for us to do almost a full podcast length on our after show. Normally our after show is like 
you know, 10 to 15 minutes. We end up going for almost 30 minutes talking about that. And there was so much wisdom dropped in that as well. I felt so inspired and I think you will too. So if you want to hear the after episode, you can go to patreon.com slash the lovely Alia to hear the rest of this episode. If you were vibing with us and you want to keep going. Just a few more announcements. Um, Number one, we are opening up something called Conscious Community on February 1st. You can go to my website, thelovelyalia.com to find out more about that on February 1st. But it is essentially our mystery school revised, rejuvenated, and re-intentioned, I should say. If you're looking for a community It's my membership community that I've opened a platform for spiritual speakers who have felt alone and have a one-stop shop kind of place for resources, support, and connection with others, navigating our soul's purpose while we're here on the earth realm. So it's like my own spiritual social media account (laughs) where you can connect with other spiritual souls on their spiritual journey. Weekly, I'm going to do collective readings and once a month we do live hangouts with me and you have the ability to attend free workshop classes or community gatherings hosted by our community, events set by other practitioners, um, like tests of your intuition, book clubs, dream work, astrology, practice readings, and more. And every Monday, we're going to have money Mondays where you get to promote your business on, um, our platform to our conscious network. There is solid support and open-mindedness to whatever questions that you have that you can post to the group and access to our past workshops and classes with subjects and topics that cover a very wide variety of spiritual topics. So if you're down to make some lifelong connections with friendships with conscious people from all over the world, it's $25 a month. It's opening February 1st. You can go to my website to gain your spot in our loving community. I hope to see you there. Our next announcement is um, I'm going to be more active on TikTok. I'm trying to get to enough followers so I can start going live on there. If you enjoyed our live readings that we started doing on Instagram, I think I'm going to do them on TikTok. Seems like a better, a better platform for that. So go to TikTok and follow me at the lovely Alia, just like all of my other stuff. And uh, I'll be just posting more there. So hopefully you're not accosted by one of the many scammers that always come through and request you. You will never get a reading from me through a DM, just saying it. If it's not already posted live for your own intuitive interpretation, or you didn't book it through my site, it's not me. So just, you know, so, you know, (laughs) additionally, my readings are open right now. So if you can go, um, there's still a discount running for January. So you just type in January 15, you get 15% off of all readings again, lovelyalia.com. Okay, enough with the announcements. Let's get into today's very juicy episode. I hope you love it. Share it all over the freaking place. Let's go right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Alia Lovely. And today we have Les Alfred, who is the host of Balanced Black Girl and just all around wellness I would say like guru in my opinion. (laughs) Thank you. How are you doing, sweetie? I am doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So this is, it's 2023. We are embarking upon the new year and it's been like the last few years with the pandemic and everything going on. It's like kind of the first time where we're really starting to get back into the rhythm of things, really starting to feel back into things. And what really attracted me to your content. Number one, we have a common friend, Sharon Eskandani, who introduced us, which was like lovely. Um, But you have such, to me, exactly what you said, balanced perspective. And the content that you bring to the table for me is so soothing. 
And so just like giving us permission to relax, to take care of ourselves, um, to commit to ourselves was really important um, to our goals and things like that. And not only that, like you're such a important voice during this particular time, because at least for me as well, like being a black woman, there's not a lot of creators that I feel like get the attention you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get the attention and and are able to express that kind of shared experience. So it's been really beautiful to watch you grow and really beautiful to see like all of the guests that you've had on. It's a really great podcast. You should be very, very proud. Um, so with that, can you, if people don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, essentially like your passion, how it led to you doing podcasting and being this all around great human being? Oh, well, thank you so much for that incredible introduction, Aaliyah. I just am so happy to be here. I know I had you on my show a little while back and that was just such a beautiful episode. I was telling you right before we started recording how much my community really loved your voice and and your story. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm happy that we're, we're switching places um, <laughs> this time around, but yeah, I'm the host of Balanced Black Girl, which is a podcast and online community that was created out of my experience in the wellness space, I became really interested in wellness in my early twenties, largely because I had just entered the workforce and it was my first time kind of working in an office. And I realized how draining that was for me, just mentally, physically, spiritually. And I was looking for any and everything I could do to just generate some energy and mm -hmm. to get through the day. So I was like, if I need to exercise, I'll exercise. If I need to eat healthier, I'll eat healthier. Cause at that time, I mean, I was like 20, I think I lived off of pizza and champagne. Yeah. <laughs> like that was my college diet. So I was like, listen, I'll eat a salad. I'll bring lunch, whatever it is I need to do to not be falling asleep at my desk. Like I will do it. And so I, I kind of stumbled upon this whole world of wellness and fitness and understanding my body. And that led me to personal development and understanding my mindset and realizing how much, I don't want to say control that I have over my life. Cause I think a, a common theme I'm learning as I get older is to release control, but yeah. I'm learning how much power and agency we have over our experience. We can't control or change all circumstances or everything that happens to us, but we do have a lot of power over how we react to it and the decisions that we make and those micro moves that we make each day. And so I started seeing how much I changed when I started moving a little bit differently, when I started taking better care of my body and listening to my body and eating a little better and moving more, I slowly started becoming this person who became a lot more confident, who started maybe taking risks and putting myself out there and didn't see myself as such a victim all the time. And as I noticed those changes in myself, I was like, this is amazing. Why doesn't everybody do this? I want to help more <laughs> people do this. And so I started teaching fitness and creating wellness content. And over time, it's just culminated to be balanced black girl as it is today. Nice. Well, what's really interesting about like that, that process is that we're, we're all in that evolving. I like what you said about like, not necessarily control because <laughs> as I'm learning in our life right now, like just there's, there is no control. There's perspective, mm -hmm. there is presence, but there is no real control over the future and no expectations. Um, so with that said, what has it meant to you to bring 
or like kind of make the charge to bring more diversity to the space? And what have you learned being able to hear from such a variety of different voices? Yeah. I love being a student. Being a student is like my favorite thing ever. It's part of what has changed my perspective in fitness and no longer wanting to teach it was realizing that I don't really like to teach. I like to just learn. And I wanted to learn from people who had experiences more similar to mine. And that's not to say that people who aren't black women can't teach us incredible things because I still have incredible mentors and teachers who are not but it is different when you have a different perspective of seeing someone be able to persevere or to become an expert in their space, knowing that they've come up against similar obstacles that you've come up against. And it just gives you this extra feeling of understanding and of confidence of we're in this together. And if they can do it, I can do it. And so what I really wanted to do was to just highlight more stories from black and brown women who have had these incredible experiences and learned these lessons and been knocked down and have gotten back up and continue to share with their communities. And so for me, it's just been all about highlighting those stories that are often not told that are often overlooked and the perspective that that has brought both me as like the ultimate student of balanced black girl. Cause a lot of it is just me bringing on people I admire and picking their brains and letting my audience in on the conversation, but also with my community, with my audience, who's learning right alongside me. So mm. it's just been about the power of, of stories and telling stories that often aren't heard. The power of stories. I love that. I was a communication major. <laughs> and so it's so funny now. It's like, I didn't use my communication degree at all until I decided to do podcasting. And I was like, oh yeah, here, here we go. <laughs> uh, the power of stories and like what stories do for us and how it opens our eyes and how we are able to connect to other humans through the act of storytelling. It's like such a beautiful art. So let's talk about, you know, like, what does it mean to be balanced? Because what's I'm what I'm going through right now in the maturation of my 38th year, I am learning about balance, especially in motherhood. Mm-hmm. The 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 act of balancing has been ooh, such a juggling act. <laughs> and trying to figure out what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, a teacher, a podcaster, like someone who works and um also do the parenthood thing, also trying to find balance within my emotional state through like my healing and my trauma and process and also like our perspective of life. Right. So like Mm -hmm. you're on spiritual shit right now. And we tend to, (laughs) at least in the past have had a lot of very, um, kind of out there perspectives of like, Oh, look, we have aliens and we do this and we did that. And we would talk about healing and stuff too, but it seemed at some point I was such a seeker, you know, and being able to look really, really out there. And then, um, last year, last summer, I got into the space where I was like, wow, I've spent all this time really being out of myself and looking outside of myself externally. And now coming into a place where being the inward, like directed energy, like looking inside, what does it mean to be a human? What is it? Why, why is this experience important? Um, how does this attribute or how does our humanity attribute to our spirituality and needing more of that balance and what I was looking for, for my own growth. Right. You said you're a student and I'm the same way. Like, like all the people that I had on, was like, this is what I'm interested in right now. And I'm coming back into this, like the pendulum is starting to slow down and not go to such extremes and starting to find a center and a place where it's like, okay, 
I think I know who I am now. Mm -hmm. I really think I know what I'm interested in. And I really think that I don't need the stimulation of the extreme all the time. I'm coming back to myself. So that's what, like, when I think of the word balance come to me, but I'm asking you (laughs) for yourself, like, what does balance mean in your life personally? I love this question because for a, a, I get asked about balance a lot. And for a long time, I had a certain answer. And I think I'm at a point in my life where I now have a different answer. It's going to be Yay. my first time kind of getting to share it. New perspective that mm-hmm. I'm gaining. Um, I think the term balance gets a bad reputation because people equate balance with equilibrium, thinking mm-hmm. that we have to be all places at once and all right. things need to be perfect at once. And yeah. we have to be killing it at our job and killing it in motherhood and crushing every workout and perfectly, you know, sane and serene all the time. And that's balance and that's not achievable, which it's like, yeah, that, that I just described probably not because yeah. we're humans and we're nuanced creatures. But the older I get, the more I'm realizing that balance is the ability to let things go. Mm. It's the ability to let things go, whether that is letting go of preconceived notions of how we should show up or be or perform, whether that's letting go of expectations of what other people should do or expectations of our bodies or um, expectations of certain outcomes. It's the ability to let things go and to say, okay, where are my feet planted right now? Mm -hmm. And how can I be as present in this moment right now and focus on what's in front of me? And how can I ensure that I know what my needs are in this moment and meet them in this moment and be ready to change and move with a little bit of fluidity because what I'm going to need changes, right? It's going to change a year from now, what you need before you're a mother is very different than what you need after you become a mother. And sometimes we try to force ourselves to fit these molds that no longer suit us. And it's the ability to let things go and to move with where we are now and what we need now. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) I want to change my answer. (laughs) I love that so much. So how, like, how is that coalesced for you personally in your life? Like you said that you're getting ready to leave LA. You've been in LA for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And like getting ready to go on this travel year. Like how have you applied that answer to your life personally? Yeah. It's so funny when you were talking about, um, because I feel like we're kind of at opposite points. You were talking about how for a long time, you were very much like looking outward and kind of out there. And for me, I'm the opposite. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes I can be a little bit too grounded. Like my birth chart is all earth, (laughs) all earth. And so I am too grounded. I am like too realistic. I am way too like rooted deeply in the the 3D and my routines and my comfort and trying to plan for every single thing. Mm. And I'm learning that I need some time to not have a plan. I need some time to just not know where, where I'm going to go next or what yeah. I'm going to do next. And I need to experience that to grow into the person that I'm meant to be. So I'm letting go of the idea that I'm going to have everything perfectly planned and figured out. And I'm leaning into what experience do I want to have and what do I want to try and what sounds good and what feels good. And I can follow that. And if I get to a point where I want to go back to the comfort of a plan, I always can, but I'm, I'm almost at a point where being so grounded and so earthy is kind of holding me back a little bit. And I'm ready to step outside of that a little bit and let go of that mentality. 
I love that because the people who are listening are going to see both points of view very mm-hmm. well. And yeah. I think that that's a, that's literally the definition of balance, like you being able to to come out of something that you've been too into in order to discover what's kind of out on the outside or inside or whatever, whichever direction they're going. <laughs> um, so like, where do you, like, you don't, you, you don't have a plan. So you're getting ready to uproot and then just see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I later this spring, I'm going to leave my apartment, put my stuff in storage and travel around probably till next fall, end of the year. And just, yeah have different experiences and, and go different places and see what speaks to me. I'm, Mm -hmm. I do love Los Angeles. And for so long, my biggest dream was to live here. I Mm -hmm. came to Los Angeles for the first time when I was nine years old on a trip with my friend and her family, went back home to my parents and was like, when I grow up, I'm going to live there and didn't (laughs) let it go. And so, you know, moved here four years ago and it has been really beautiful and very much what I needed because I'd only ever lived in my hometown. And that for some people can be great for me. It was not, and I needed to see more. And so that's what moving to LA was for me. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to see even more. I'm ready to be even more uncomfortable and to grow into the version of myself that emerges from that discomfort and Mm -hmm. those experiences. And so, um, I'm a little nervous having a (laughs) lack of a plan because I'm such a planner, but the plan will come just because I write the plan doesn't mean there isn't a plan. So Mm -hmm. Mm, I like that. Just because I didn't write the plan doesn't mean there's a plan. You know, this is, this is so reminiscent of my 2019, 2020, Mm -hmm. because I just got up and I was like, you know what, I'm getting ready to get rid of all my stuff. Like I'm going to go, actually, I didn't get rid of all my stuff because I've done that before, like lots of big jumps to other places and moves, but, um, I put it away in storage somewhere. And I decided to go to Bali and I was going to do like a travel year. I'd signed up with this group thing or whatever, where we were going to go to different countries every, I don't know, month or two COVID obviously cut that short, but there was no plan. And me going into that space of like, I wasn't looking for anything specific except healing. Like I was like, I really like I'm working on some like trauma wound stuff. And I need to be outside of my comfort zone to be in a space where like, shit's going to really hit the fan in a major way, but at least I can accelerate past the long form version of that healing. Um, so like, let's talk about discomfort and expectation because I know for me, when I was going through that part of my life, I was trying to unbind the part of myself that is so plan oriented. Like you said, like we have a lot of similarities in that. Um, I'm just in a different space in my life now, but like there was this moment when, when I was there, when I was in Bali, that I was like, my life could completely change on a dime. Like any decision that I make today, any person that I talk to anything, one thing that happens or whatever, like could completely transform and change my life. And it did, but there was this moment of like deep discomfort because I was asking for healing and it was my intention that I was going to heal. So I kept coming up against stuff that was like, this feels really, really yucky. So I'll give you a story here. Um, there was a, a guy who I dated in New York who kind of really did me wrong a little bit, you know, and the way that he did me wrong, it was just like, oh, that was like so shitty. Um, ultimately, intuitively, I thought he's, I think he's a good guy, but like he needs to get his shit together. Anyway, go halfway across the world. I'm on Bumble, not even like really like looking for anything or whatever to hand the phone to my friend. I said, you take care of this. I said, my picker is off. And she starts going through and she chose someone and it matched. 
And she was like, oh, I really like this guy. Da, da, da. He looks good. Blah, blah. She hands me the phone. It's that guy from New York. No, and I'm like, uh, no fucking way. Stop. What are you doing here? <laughs> ah, you know, like, and it, like the fact that we even matched knowing that like I had like resolved, I would never speak to him again, right. like this whole thing or whatever. I was like, this, this must be some kind of fucking <laughs> test. Like, this is crazy. So we, we decide to go ahead and meet. And the whole time I'm feeling really nervous because I'm like, oh my God, like this person, like how will we confront how terribly he treated me? And then I'm meeting back up with him, blah, blah, blah. And so we sit down for like a smoothie or something. It'll be so funny if he listens to this episode, (laughs) but we sit down for the smoothie and, and I'm sitting there in front of him and I'm feeling like the, the weight of all of the pain that came Mm. from that situation. But more importantly, since I was further along in my life and I, I learned something from that experience that I was sitting there going like, I'm learning about the energy that has me connected to this person still. And I'm learning in that moment that like, there's, there's a part of him that I'm feeling this visceral reaction to almost like a, you know, like when you see somebody that you liked for a long time and that there's something kind of still there. And I was like, I don't, but I don't feel like there's something still there. Why is my heart feeling this kind of way? Long story short, I, I sat down with my intuition, with the discomfort, with the like situation where I'm having to confront this person and tell them and not be the nice person, you know, like be like, you really did me wrong. Like that was really, I met with you so I can tell you what's up. (laughs) And in that he apologizes, it's all nice and whatever. And there's a part of me that thinks, okay, well maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. this can be good. And like, I sit down with my intuition and go, no, this discomfort is here because I am learning in the midst of all that that I have a wound here that makes me feel attracted to people that are emotionally unavailable. So I have to go against my normal, like, oh, this is something I pursue. Why do I pursue that? Where's that coming from? The relationship with my father, the relationship and the religious trauma I had, all of that bringing me into a space where I feel attracted to things that are not for me. And so in that little snippet of a lesson, there was so much discomfort and I had to let go of the expectation that something was going to happen or that this thing was going to be here. Or like, maybe it should turn into this thing and just be in a space of like, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to tell this person whatever's going on. Like I'm having this experience in Bali. Like I'm just trying to be in the moment of like what's actually happening here so I can learn, so I can be open, so I can release expectations and control and put myself in uncomfortable positions, like meeting up with someone that like dumped you pretty badly. Um, so that way I can heal. Mm-hmm. And that becoming such a big thing out of like dropping the plan. You moving into the space, um, you know, like you're an entrepreneur, you're doing all this type of work, you're really helping people do that healing process. For you, what are some stories anecdotes or tips of areas where you've been in like extreme discomfort, where it's, it's really started to blossom into a really like important life lesson. Mm. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story. Because as you asked that question, it's like, my story is pretty similar. Like I recently (laughs) went through an experience, not, not exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but that was a very similar lesson. Um, an area of my life that I just have a lot of lessons is around relationships. I feel like everybody has an area of their life. That's just kind of like their thing, but this is in this lifetime where you are just here to learn about a lot. It's like with business 
I can mm-hmm. just create a business. I can just create content and people like it and I can just do well at work. And it's not that hard, but relationships are just something that I'm constantly tested about. And mm-hmm. so recently I'd been dating a guy for about a year and which went on way too long, mm-hmm. nothing not a bad guy by any means, but just not like a good match for me. And he recently, like at the very beginning of this year, like totally ghosted me. Like we Mm -hmm. went from dating for the past year, talking every single day, all completely ghosted, like disappeared. And I was sad at first. And normally in previous situations, something like that happening would have devastated me from prior trauma, mostly from other relationships. I'm like, where does that come from? Cause I have really wonderful parents and like a really wonderful, you know, relationship with my dad. And that's usually what we all point to of like mm-hmm. why those things happen. So I'm like, I don't know what my deal is. I think it was more of like social wounds that I had mm-hmm. growing up, not parent wounds. Yeah. Um, but previously when I've had other similar things happen, I just would have been devastated by it for a really long time because not even because I was devastated by the person, but devastated about what does this mean about me? Nobody Mm -hmm. loves me. I'm unlovable. Relationships are so easy for everybody else. I mean, I've been single for a while, like five, six years. I know people who have gotten married, gotten divorced and gotten remarried in the time that I've been (laughs) single. And I'm like, I can't even get a boyfriend. And she's on her second husband already in the same (laughs) amount of time. Like what, why is this so hard for me, but so easy for them? Mm. Um, Like those are the types of things that I would spiral and go to. And this time I was just able to kind of see it for what it was. And I was like, you know, I didn't I wasn't really that into that person. I was into the dopamine that I got when he would hang out with me or when he would text me, but I can survive without it. And actually when I detach from this situation, I'm totally fine, like Mm -hmm. totally fine in ways that a year ago, like six months ago, I would not have been fine. And so I've really learned this lesson of not looking externally for those cues of, am I this? Am I that? Am I worthy? Am I lovable? And focusing so much more on what is in front of me and where I'm at. And I'm like, I have an amazing life, not because some guy is in it, but because I'm in it and because I've created it to be that way. And I need to enjoy it. And when it's time for me to share that with somebody, that'll be great. But I want to share that with somebody who wants to be in it, not somebody who's just around and Mm. just learning detachment in that way has been a really big lesson for me just in the past couple of weeks that I'm so grateful for, because previously I just would have reacted so differently. And I don't think I've ever been so chill about a situation like that than I am now. Um, And also because my plan to travel and do all the things I was planning to do that beforehand anyway. And I'm like, now this just makes it that much easier because that I really do want to do that. I really want to travel. I don't want to be tied down to any one city or any one thing. And if I were in a relationship with this person like that, that would change things. It probably would be, I would hesitate a little bit more to have this adventure that I want to have. And that's what I feel really called to do. So, um, it's been for me just really learning detachment, which is a hard lesson, (laughs) um, and, and learning to lean more into the experiences that I want to have, as opposed to feeling like, okay, I'm this age, I got to do this by now. I got to do that by now. Um, and really prioritizing what feels good to me. Yeah. You're talking about timing 
Mm-hmm. And timing is so important in the process of if we want to call it manifestation, like what it is that we're trying to draw into our life and that timing, it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It just means that it's not right now. What's really beautiful about you, what you're saying is like, cause I don't often hear people talk about detachment and I would love to dig into that. Like, what does that mean to you? Because I would, I would assume that you might've had an anxious attachment at the beginning and that would make you very clingy. So what does detachment mean for you in this scenario? Yeah. It means not attaching how I feel to external forces. My feelings are no longer based upon whether somebody texts me or whether I get asked out or whether I get invited to this or whether somebody receives a podcast episode a a certain way. Those are all things that I've done where it's like my mood and just my disposition and how I walked around feeling was so dependent and so attached on how other people perceived me and the work I did. And I'm learning to find those feelings within myself and not place any of how I feel or my perspective or my feelings about myself on any of those external sources and also not attaching to any specific outcomes, Mm -hmm. um, has been a a big one. Yeah. Like that is so to me, I think that this is the message everyone needs to hear. Um, (laughs) I always call that neutrality, like just Mm -hmm. being like neutral about stuff. I'm not really attached. I'm not like, like extremely diametrically opposed. It is the, the art of just being like, okay, this is what it is. Um, but you releasing that attachment to me, I think that that is so important, uh, especially like as black creators, mm-hmm. like for us, like content creation, it's really easy to watch everybody else get certain shine or exposure or, um, and that can be in any area of your life, like whether it's dating, whether it's in your work and your corporate job, whether you're a digital creator, um, and the like, and we can attach it to our self-worth like, Oh, the money's really not coming in this month. Like, Oh, I must not be doing like, what can I do? What can I do to fix it? You know, that was actually what retrograde was about for me. Mm -hmm. And I always use like, at first I was like, I don't believe in retrograde. This is some bullshit. Everybody's just like the stars. (laughs) And as soon as I made that proclamation, my life completely fell apart (laughs) during that time. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) I didn't know the power. Um, but in this past retrograde, I'm feeling exactly that. Like, what what seems like lack of pursuit almost or lack of um exposure or you know whatever like in my career that ebb that happens when you're in the flow and then it's like suddenly it goes back like ocean waves and when this happens i always forget that this is a part of the process this is a part of what happens in our world in any aspect of our world um like the pendulum always swings so we get too comfortable sometimes in one area of our life and when it swings back the other way we immediately become extraordinarily attached to those outcomes and like wait my, but maybe well, oh no 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 don't move you know like it's it is the pendulum swinging that causes the discomfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so us being able to come to some neutral stance about like, you know what, that's just what happens. Like, that's just what it does. And uh, it's to me an incredibly wise, incredibly wise anecdote, like for people to kind of think about what am I attaching myself to? Like, that's really causing like a lot of like mood discomfort. What's causing a lot of self-esteem discomfort where, where areas where I'm putting too much pressure on myself and not really allowing life to do what life does. Right. Exactly. So for you, what's been, what's been the biggest lesson 
and you starting to put yourself out there because like you, you know, whether it's dating, whether it's digital creating or whatever, like you've made a choice to now abandon something super comfortable, super rooted um, to essentially put yourself out in the world to be seen. What is, what is the greatest lesson that comes from that for you? I think one, I've talked a lot about discomfort, but discomfort doesn't have to be hard because oftentimes we can feel comfortable in really shitty situations. And sometimes things that feel good can be uncomfortable if we're not used to receiving them. So I want to make sure people don't think that I'm saying just do all the hard things. Because when I think about the best things that have ever happened to me, the best times in my life, it was easy. Mm-hmm. the best things that have come to me in my life didn't come because I was like working so hard and pounding the <laughs> pavement. They were easy, mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. And so allowing things to be easy and seeking out the discomfort in things that actually feel good where I'm receiving mm-hmm. is like my number one lesson right now, man, we can be comfortable in shitty situations. That we often is- are. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, let's, let's chew on that. I feel like, like we're going to really need to like break this down here. (laughs) Comfortable and shitty situations. Like I'm trying to think in my own life where I've seen areas of that. And I know for sure that in my first marriage, I was comfortable in a really shitty situation. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of difficulty in that relationship. A lot of, and, and, and growing up in a very Christian, um, kind of perspective, I, at least in, at our church, it was like almost seen suffering was seen as a good thing. Like yeah. you were suffering for the, you know, for the Lord or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so coming away from that, that's that training and that imprint is still there. Yeah. And so when things were hard, it was almost like, oh, wow. Like, you know, like we're really going through it. It's really tough, but you know, God will see me through and that's fine, Dandy, but it's a coping mechanism almost, at least for me, it was like to, yep. to say that, like, this may be hard, but there's going to be a huge lesson out of it. There's going to be this wonderful thing. And that does happen at times. But I was in this relationship where I knew in the first year, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I still stayed for four more years, yep. like, because I was so afraid of what it would look like to, to leave, like mm-hmm. to have to like, oh, we have to change our homes and like the dog and, you know, like there was all this stuff or whatever, like people are going to think this or the parents are going to be mad or, you know, whatever the thing was. And as soon as I got into a place where that discomfort wasn't just discomfort, like it was absolute pain. It felt like terror. It felt like dysregulation. It felt like anxiety. Like it felt like trauma that I was like, got to a point where I was like, all right, like nothing it was like the sum total of all things. Like nothing can feel worse than what I feel right now mm-hmm. being in this shitty situation. Yeah. Um, and I prayed, prayed for a relationship that would be easy. And some, I got some guff on that for a little bit. Cause people, you want it to be easy. Not a relationship is easy. And I'm like, your relationship might not be, but I want mine to be easy. And in that, like I prayed for that. I said, I'm tired of, and it's not like you're not going to have problems or anything like that. But I said specifically, if I'm going to manifest someone, make it so glaringly apparent, make it so easy for me to be able to see that this is my person that I will not have any doubt. I won't have any anxiety. I won't um, abandon my intuition. I won't put myself in a really uncomfortable place. That's not yielding good fruit. 
right? Because yep. we can put ourselves in places where we have discomfort and we learn. It doesn't necessarily mean that every time we're in discomfort and we learn that we're producing good fruit. Sometimes exactly. we're learning bad habits. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're learning how to be around bad people. Sometimes yep. we're learning that we're not enough. Like th- th- those could also yield lessons that are not necessarily fruitful. So I, I paid for that. So when David came in my life at 37, I was like, oh my God, here it is. Like, not only that, I had a dream about him before I met him. So that was kind of cool. Cause it was like, okay, the time everything's lining up. This is great. But our relationship is easy. Yes. And it's like, finally, like, this is what people are talking about. I have similar to you. Like my friends all got married really young. Like when I, we were in our early twenties and they all started ha- like um, my friends all have children that are like 10. And so years old, I'm like <laughs> just my first kid right now. Um, like there are a lot of those aspects where I always felt like the outlier. I'm a, I'm the one that didn't get to have the thing that everybody else gets to have. Why not me? And in that discomfort, I learned that maybe I, or I taught myself, I guess I'm not worthy. And because I was so attached to what I thought I wanted, what I thought would make me happy. And the best quote I can think of is something my friend Caleb said one time is I'm kidding to know what is best for my life. Yes. And sometimes people take that quote the wrong way. Like, what do you mean? You don't know what's the best. Like, and we don't know what will really make us happy if we've never experienced it before. Mm -hmm. So we will always make a plan based off of what we've known in the past that like we think will make us happy. But if the universe is trying to provide something better, then like we will, we will, our brain will interpret that as bad, right? Like, like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure whatever. So you saying like you're you moving forward and being like, I'm going without a plan. I'm just kind of open. I'm very neutral. Like, let's just see what happens it, to me in those spaces. That's where you can yield the most amount of like really hyper beneficial type of fruit. Thank I'm you. Excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I sure, sure hope so. And yeah. <laughs> I also think too, kind of what we were just talking about, the glamorization of suffering is such mm-hmm. a thing, but it's especially a thing for black women. Yes we are expected to suffer. Mm. We're expected to be grateful for the things that make us suffer, which I'm all about a gratitude practice, but no, (laughs) no, especially I think that probably the two biggest areas would be in relationships Mm -hmm. and in work, right? We're expected to be grateful for jobs that underpay us and don't promote us and don't treat us well. We're expected to be grateful for partners who drag us through the mud. Absolutely not. Like I refuse. I've been there. And I refuse to continue on that way or to promote that. It's just something that the older I get, the more I realize like, that's not for me and the things in my life that I'm so grateful for that have been the biggest blessings have all been things that fell into my lap and felt so good. I didn't have to suffer. I didn't have to strain. I didn't have to force. Mm. And I'm like, I want more of that. That's how it shop life. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, it was a controversial, controversial yeah, topic for some people, but however you want to call it, it's just, it's like, I'm not interested in doing things that are hard. And it doesn't mean that life doesn't have challenges. We all go through things that are hard. We all have challenges. We all have circumstances, but I'm not going to knowingly keep myself in a position that is hard. Yeah. This to me is, is a, a powerful very powerful topic because there is this idea of resilience and strength in black women that people really like kind of praise almost, but like, and that's fine and good. But like, there's this, like for me, it's like, I don't want to have to be strong all the time. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to have to be resilient. Resilient means that you're taking punches and you're getting back up. Like, I don't want to have to take the punch, you right. know, like I had a, um, uh, a very traumatic birth where I almost died. And in that process of develop, like that trauma or whatever, like all of the news came out, like I, I, uh, my hometown newspaper did a story about near misses and how black women are three times more likely to experience that kind of thing. And like, regardless of the politics involved and like what happens and treatment and like pain and believing black women or whatever, like in that moment, like me experiencing that type of trauma, like I'm lucky that like I've had minimal trauma in my life. Like when I say minimal, if we're comparing it on a scale, like nobody can really compare it on scale, but you get what I mean? Like in that, like that was the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And through that, I almost got the feeling from people at times, like you're so strong. You're okay. Like everything's fine. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, Mm -mm. I'm, I'm breaking underneath. Right. You know, and so it's almost in a way like we've been trained to hold a certain type of face to keep going no matter what I worked like I didn't even give myself like the full six weeks off. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked I was afraid I was going to lose my audience I was afraid you know like there was a lot of fears operating there. I had worked so hard to get to a certain place and just felt like I was losing everything. And in that space like not getting the care that I needed yeah. most likely because I wasn't asking for it, but also because it had been posed to me that you can handle this. You're fine. Everything's mm-hmm. all right. Like, yay you for going through that. Oh, okay. That's okay. And seeing my other counterparts, not black and brown people, um, who, when they go through something like that, it's, Oh my God, right. that's awful. Oh, you know, like there's a lot more of that care towards, towards those people. And Mm -hmm. I was seeing that I wasn't getting that, you know? So even once they, they did the article, there were all of these people who were getting on and like, Oh, look, they finally got a woke writer, I guess. Or, you know, like saying all kinds of stuff just by me telling my story and about my pain. Like it was like, everybody had their arms crossed, not everybody, but like people who are reading, I was watching the comments, having their arms crossed about it. Like that wasn't that bad. You're fine. Like, look at the Megan stallion. Mm-hmm. like her oh going through being shot and everybody being like oh you know it's like just like really dismissing her I listened to uh, Megan Markle's podcast archetypes mm-hmm. and her experience like going through what happened with the royal family and it just being okay yeah. to, to 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 treat black women like that I listened to the interview she had with Issa Rae who I love Issa Rae oh, I loved like, that one come on my show yes. um but her saying do you feel like as a black woman you can get mad And she said, no, Mm -hmm. like I'm posing that question to you. No, I don't. I mean, not publicly. I feel like I'm a big proponent of expressing the full range of emotion because I think that's part of being a healthy human. But I do think that at least in my experience as a black woman, I have to be very careful about who I express certain emotions to. Sometimes it can't be in mixed company if I don't want to be perceived a certain way. Mm-hmm. And what, what do you mean by a certain way? No, oh, as aggressive or as angry or dominating, which are all things that I've been called before in my life, which is actually hilarious because I am the biggest like scaredy cat, <laughs> like non-confrontational. <laughs> Somebody can make me cry at the drop of a hat. Like 
you know, truly. Um, so it's now I do think it's kind of funny because I'm like, okay, now you're just projecting your stereotypes mm-hmm. because a little do you know, I'll start crying right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, def- I've definitely been there. What do you think it means to your spirit? Like how we process self-care or um, healing or whatever, like why do you think that that type of projection, if you will, affects our ability to be able to seek help, seek therapy? Like, like, how do you, do you feel like those are related? I do. Yeah. Because I think it, it almost gaslights us in a way to make us think like, well, am I fine? Well, should I be fine? Sure. The hospital almost killed me, but should I be grateful that they didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. like, no, no, that's, that's not okay. I actually recently saw, I don't know if it was a TikTok that a therapist had posted, but basically saying how a lot of mental health conditions and black women specifically present themselves differently. So the yes. system, oh, I saw that. Go ahead, explain is, that. we may come across as irritable or aggravated when those are actually signs of anxiety and depression, depression. because it manifests itself differently in black women. So I think about how many times have we heard that we had an attitude problem or our young black girls taught that they have a bad attitude when they're probably anxious or they're probably depressed or probably mm-hmm. not getting the support that they need, but we just get painted as having a bad attitude when it's like really probably unsupported and, mm-hmm. and need care. And, oh my goodness, I get so <laughs> riled up about this. I mean, but this is, it's important because it, it affects our feeling of safety yeah. and wellness spaces. Yep. Like, Absolutely. Talk to me about that. Oh, goodness. I mean, I think that there is so much of, I think wellness is something that's actually pretty simple because I think wellness for a lot of people can happen when their basic needs are met. Mm. However, in our society and currently in this day and age, we see the spaces that we're in and just how a lot of people don't have what they need to survive and their basic needs, it is really hard to be well. And the more intersections you have in terms of marginal identities, the more obstacles you have to get your basic needs met to be well. And so I think oftentimes because the wellness space comes from this very capitalistic perspective where it's often trying to sell us things and make us think that, you know, a workout or a supplement is going to be the thing. And if we have bad things happening in our lives and we're just not being positive enough, then we're manifesting these bad things. And it's like, no, actually this person probably needs fresh air and probably needs a community around them and probably probably needs good food, but the way that a lot of our society is structured, that can be really hard to come by, even though they should be basic needs and basic rights that are being met. And if those things were met, a lot more people probably would be well, but okay, let's, let's blame it on the people for not being positive enough and not thinking positive enough. It's like, no, that's not, (laughs) that's not true. (laughs) This is so important because I I did a, a a workshop recently that's still online. If you guys want to get it, spiritualshitschool.com. Um, but it's called the good life and, um, how to have the life you love while manifesting the life you want. And I start talking about manifestation very differently than I've ever really heard about because I don't often hear people talk about manifestation in an intersectional way, Mm -hmm. because like, if you are starting from 
much further back, you're not going to have the same results as someone who's gotten has privilege or has like access to certain things. And I think everybody can have some version of privilege, right? But we're talking about like the traditional basic needs met privilege. And even us living in America, right? Like we have internet, we have some, you know, like we have privileges to think about manifestation in different ways than people who live in third world countries. And I'm not about to go tell them, you guys just weren't thinking positive enough, you know, like bullshit. So like that has to apply to literally everyone that if we're, um, if our life is a margin of our thoughts, then like we have to really highly examine what what our thought life is obviously but like what is also driving our thoughts what type of society we live in um every time i see another black man being shot in the street that trauma rises back up again where are my thoughts fear you know like i see some mass shooter come in and shoot a bunch of black people in a grocery store they're just doing their normal day like we had um we had a shooting at the nearby target mm-hmm. like maybe a month ago and like it ended up being like someone's dispute whatever like they nobody got hurt thankfully but in the moment like when we heard there's a shooting going on everybody's evacuating taking cover my my anxiety went through the roof because I thought oh my god if this is like I live in a more black neighborhood it's not predominantly black it used to be predominantly black that's why we moved here it's become like very 50 50 but um we the target that we is a more ethnic target we'll say that Mm -hmm. target yeah um anyway and i just my my level of thought life declined massively over that weekend just being fearful of like going to the store being fearful of like doing normal daily things that i don't i often have to think about like i can't sit in a restaurant if i can't see the door yeah. So yesterday we went out to dinner and I was like, David, like, can you switch me or whatever? Just so I can have a decent meal. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to see the door. I need to know where the exits are. I need to be able to grab my kid or like us be able to escape somewhere just in case something like that happens. And like, obviously that's not a unique to black experience, like as it is to everyone with our guns and whatever things going on. But like in that, there are other things that I think about that take up my mental life that I know a large majority of my listeners don't have to think about. Mm -hmm. And so in that it takes up space. It takes up space in the little, if we have capacity for space to quote unquote manifest and to think about certain things and where we can focus our time and attention, I have less of that because Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of what's going to happen to me if this pro Oh, the cops coming behind us, like let's turn on our cameras just to make sure like there's a lot more at play happening there within black and brown experiences that are, I wouldn't say keeping us from manifesting per se, but in the large scale of things, there's not enough space for us. Like, like if we're listening to workshops, we're buying workshops. I stopped buying workshops. I sell workshops, <laughs> but I stopped <laughs> buying workshops because I was not at least, at least from, from the large majority of our spiritual community, because I wasn't hearing about those issues. Yeah. And I was like, we can't just skirt over this because we want to be love and light and we want to be high, whatever. I, I, it's it's not inclusive for everyone who's going through those types of experiences. Um, can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree and can relate that the amount of mental gymnastics that I often yeah. feel we have to do in so many areas of our lives is can be really exhausting. I'm thinking of probably a more trivial example, but is really relevant, particularly for black women. When I think about our hair, yeah, black women and our hair, it's a thing. It's a big 
thing. It is a big part of our identity. It is a big part of how we are perceived. And I think about how much time I spend doing and stressing and worrying about my hair. Is it time to do my hair? Does my hair look presentable? If I do this workout, will it mess up my hair? I need to clean my house, but I have to do my hair first because I got to do this and this. And just the amount of mental gymnastics, I'm like, with all the energy I put towards my hair and if it's presentable and when I should do it and how I should work out and what I could win a Nobel Peace Prize (laughs) hearing something, we all could if we put just a little bit of that mental energy that we have to put towards our hair or how being perceived a certain way and being treated halfway decently, because for a lot of us, how our hair naturally grows is also a whole thing where so many workplaces and schools can discriminate against us. If we didn't have to think about that, oh my goodness. I mean, we could- So much more time. Mountains with mental space that could open up. And so it's just things like that that seem so small, but they compound constantly over time. Mm. This is, I'm glad you brought that up because both of us as currently, we're wearing our hair straight. Had to. And I didn't love the curls. I have. I don't have time for the curl. I can't. I can't right now. <laughs> it I takes a lot more time. It, it just does. does. Like it just takes more time to do your hair. Um. And like it's really funny. Um. When I was pregnant, I was like halfway hoping I didn't have a girl because I didn't want to have to deal with her hair and mine. Like that that's is my mental gymnastics. I stress about that constantly. I am single AF. No, <laughs> none of that. Imaginary child that hasn't even you know. <laughs> been a thought in the universe. And I'm already stressing of like, I have a kid and they have as much hair as me. What am I going to do? Cause I don't even want to do my own. And then I got to do theirs. I'm stressing like five years in advance. It's (laughs) such a thing. It's such a thing. Um, so that's, that's funny to me. I like, I also have a lot of hair, like when, when they have to go and thin out the back a lot, cause it's just, it's too much. Um, and when I was pregnant, my hair was almost as long as yours. And I was like, this is just, it's too much. I can't do it all the time. But the idea of the mental gymnastics that is required, how you're going to be perceived like to me. And, and like, obviously we're talking on a spirit level, human level, but like that, that takes up a lot of space and, and me being able to enjoy an experience because I'm really concerned that people aren't going to treat me well because of the way that I look. And like that can, that can obviously run the gamut in other spectrums as well. But like specifically, I remember when I was working as a wedding photographer, often working as a wedding photographer. And when the times that I have have been treated the worst were when I looked more black than, and I'm, I'm fair skinned for a black person. And, but if I wore my hair curly, which my, I don't have like these like boucle type of curls, you know, like I've got very kinky hair, beautiful kinky hair. We're well, not going to say that's beautiful. Um, but it's, it, it is the, the, the fear of like not being treated as well. And yeah. the mental gymnastics of having to think about, is this because I'm black? Like just that thought, like, is it because I'm black? Like I've had people a myriad of times. Why are you thinking about that? No, we don't notice color. No, we don't. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you don't see what I see when I'm looking through my lens of what's happening and being told that I have the wrong perception here from right. people who are outside of the experience. So when yeah. we talk, we go into spiritual spaces and for instance, something for me often that is a trigger and I lived in, I live in Kansas city. So there's not a lot of diversity here is when we go into a space and we're the only black people there. Mm-hmm. And David had said, um, we went on a date and I looked around and I was just like, wow, out of the 200 people that are in here, we're the only black people. And he was like, okay, well, is that, uh, the, the, the ratio for the percentage in our city? 
and like saying like maybe we're that part of the percentage that is like expected for the city. I don't know how to explain it. It sounded better the way he said it. Um, <laughs> but like, okay, well, in the expectation of where we live, like there's, um, we are more of a minority than we are in other places. So there's going to be less of us here anyway, kind of thing. Um, but I was like, no, I'm still mad. Like, yeah. <laughs> I still feel like, you know, like there are people giving us a look like we're out of place and that affects the way I'm able to enjoy my experience while I'm there. We went to the park um, and there's this park kind of on the other side of Kansas that's close to a country club. And we live really close to that. And so we drove over there to take our kids over there. And my stepdaughter was playing with uh, this group of white girls. We were, again, the only black people there. Um, and Cormay, she looks, she's, she's very fair. She has green eyes. She's curly hair. Um, she would, she looks very clearly mixed, but more, obviously more fair. So I go over there to stand with her. Like she's playing on the seesaw with these other girls that are like acting kind of sideways. And I'm just trying to make sure she's okay. Yeah. Um, and the moms, the looks that I was getting, like, what is she doing here? Like them whispering and like, you know, you know, back and forth what is that like what that does to your spirit like what that does to your spirit yeah affects how you can move through your spiritual experience your human mm -hmm. experience like yeah. if i'm in that mode of like i'm having to watch out in like kind of like hyper vigilant yep. protection kind of way that's going to look like i have a bad attitude mm -hmm. like if people are treating me a certain way i'm seeing it and everybody's going don't pay attention to that that's not big deal have a good time like I'm watching other people have an experience I would like to have right. and not getting to actually experience that. I was telling my mom, um, she, my mom's doing all of this like internal healing, which is amazing just to like, see like what she's doing and how me healing myself is helping her heal. Like it's been amazing. But, um, she was, we were talking and I was saying to her, like, as a child, I gravitated more towards white people mm -hmm. because I was seeing them have an experience that I had never had. I never got to have like they're, Oh yeah, we should go on my dad's boat to the lake and blah, blah, blah. We should go tubing. I'm like, what's tubing? No <laughs> idea what that is right. and what, what's going to happen. You know, like, and, and the idea, like someone asked me, can you swim? Why did you ask me that? Right. Why can I swim? Well, cause black people can't swim. Excuse me. You know, like, and that being like everybody laughing and like that being like, uh, -huh, like, I don't know. We never have black people here because black people can't swim. Where'd you learn that? Like needing to like in that moment being like, do I need to tell you and educate you on why <laughs> we might be afraid of water? Um, not just the hair thing, but boats and other things, slavery, all that kind of stuff, epigenetics, mm -hmm. you know, who knows? Um, like the pools being segregated, not having access to that when they were younger, nobody being able to teach you that, you know, like there's a, like long systemic reason why yeah. black people may have not had as much access to be able to yeah. swim there's that. But anyway, I was telling her that I was gravitating more towards the white experience because I saw them having an experience I wasn't having. And so what, it, what does it look like to acclimate almost to like form fit yourself in this group? So that way you could start to have what you think is owed to you almost like, and like, and you see them getting it. Why shouldn't I have it also? Like, that is why for the very, the longest time it was all about fitting in. It was all about like trying to acclimate into their space because they had an experience I didn't have. And spiritually, even like in, in this space as well, like I made a commitment to myself this year that like for every one white person I have on the show, I'm gonna have three black people on the show. Love it. Because, and yeah. like, that sounds like, it sounds maybe crazy to people who are listening because for a long time I was at the mercy of who was 
uh, emailing me. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, picking from the people who are emailing me, but I'm noticing that like I don't see any color in here mm-hmm. because like a lot of other, I, I know as a black creator, I have a trepidation around asking for something like, can I be on your show? Like, are you interested in my show? I'm so used to that rejection that I don't necessarily make that initiation to be on that, that kind of somebody's platform or something like that. So me making a dedicated effort to do that, to elevate our voices. So that way we have a chance to get that experience as well. Basically. How have you dealt with that? Like, what was that look like? You grew up in Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. I did. I had, I had such a weird upbringing because (laughs) Seattle and the Pacific Northwest in general, when you think of cities, Seattle, Portland, you know, Washington, Oregon are some of the whitest major cities in the country. As a kid, I didn't know that because my neighborhood was very diverse. So Mm -hmm. I did go to schools, predominantly black schools, K through 12, and was kind of sheltered just in my own little neighborhood where there were all types of people. And there were definitely white kids in school too. But I think from my observation, when white people are used to being around people of color, they just move a little bit differently. And yeah. so my experiences, even interacting with white kids growing up, I didn't have any that really stick out as like being jarring or, mm-hmm. you know, weirdness, because I think they were just used to being around brown kids and they were kind of outnumbered <laughs> yeah. in my schools. And so as I got a little bit older, went to college, I went to a predominantly white college and it was deeply traumatic. I had so many traumatic experiences around race and racism in college that I'm still healing from and unpacking and, you know, racism, classism, harassment. I mean, just all of these things that were really, really challenging that I didn't fully understand at the time, but I knew that something was off and didn't feel right. And then as a young adult, kind of going out of the suburb I grew up in and more into the city and realizing those spaces and realizing where I was at, being in the workplace, working in a very corporate space uh, where I was, you know, a young 22 year old young black woman. And I was working around all middle-aged white professionals and how challenging that was. I kind of learned some of those lessons a little bit later and I have mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I'm really grateful that I did have a childhood where I felt like I belonged and I never yeah. really felt any weirdness around race or those experiences. But on the other hand, experiencing that for the first time at 18 was a little jarring and I did feel pretty unprepared for it. And so I don't know, I have mixed feelings. It's not like I wanted to experience it earlier, but I just, I, I didn't, I was a little naive in, Mm. in how I thought the world was. And I have since, since learned, um, (laughs) and had plenty of experiences that have, uh, just taught me to, to be a a little bit more careful and to keep my, my third eye open. But a lot of what you were explaining really resonates because it's hard if you're constantly put in a position where you need to validate your own experience and validate Mm. your own existence, it makes it harder to thrive in your own existence when you're feeling like you constantly need to prove to people that you deserve to be there. And I've Mm -hmm. even felt that in some wellness spaces. I mean, I've been now a wellness professional for the past 10 years, and there's very few wellness trends and things that I haven't tried. And I could still walk into a yoga studio today and be treated like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Are you, 
do you do yoga? I'm like, actually, I've been doing yoga for half my life. I'm a 200 hour certified yoga Ooh. instructor. Like, what do you, why are you treating me like I don't belong here? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm here, aren't I? Anybody who shows up belongs, in my opinion, whether it's yeah. their first time doing it or their thousandth. And so I still experience those things. And for me, I think I do tend to have a little bit more of a rebellious personality um, where if something is good for me, I'm going to do it and mm-hmm. I'm not going to let to me, I think wellness spaces and people trying to keep us out of wellness spaces, it almost drives me to show up there more because I know I've had friends who have been like, I want to do yoga, but the studios make me feel uncomfortable. And it's all these people who are so pretentious. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. They want to keep us out. The point is to keep us well and to keep us out. And so for me, mm-hmm. what I do is I pull up and I bring some people. I'm constantly bringing <laughs> other friends classes and I'm like, let's do this together. We're going to show up and we're going to get a little, we're going to get some melanin in here from a couple of us <laughs> so that we can all feel more comfortable, but so that we can be well, because who benefits from us feeling so uncomfortable that we don't show up the very mm-hmm. systems that we want to dismantle. So if something is good for me, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it and I'm going to take up space and I'm going to bring my people and I'm going to bring, I'm going to create a space where we feel comfortable. And that's something that I'm really grateful that Balanced Black Girl has been able to do because I just, I refuse to let other people's ignorance keep me unwell and keep my people Ooh. unwell. Girl, I have chills. <laughs> Come through, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pull up. Um, that that strikes me so, so deeply because even as we're having this conversation, I have, I can honestly say I have trepidation around alienating a big chunk of my audience by speaking my truth, by you Mm -hmm. speaking your truth. And that sucks because like, we should be able to just have a conversation about our shared experience without worrying about is someone going to decide that this isn't for them, you know? And it's like, no, it might not be for you. And that's okay. It's for us. So that being said, like, <laughs> and it's like, I think that that's a good point. And I invite anybody who maybe feels a way about that for a little bit of reflection. Yeah. Why does us talking about our experiences, things that they'll probably will never experience. Why is that so uncomfortable? It mm-hmm. might feel uncomfortable because maybe it holds up a mirror. Maybe you've seen how you've upheld some of these things and you don't like it. So, you know, feeling a way about it is how you deal with it when really how you need to be dealing with it is reflecting, reflecting on those experiences, reflecting on how you show up and how you treat people, others sharing their experiences. You know, it's not like we're calling people out individually. There's a lot of people listening to this. It's not like I'm saying, Hey, you, you did this. (laughs) So if you feel a way, it's probably because, you know, subconsciously you have done something like this. Mm -hmm. And this is an invitation to reflect. It's not calling anybody out or saying anybody's bad it's an invitation to reflect and kind of like what we were talking about earlier, the power of storytelling, we're sharing our stories so that people can gain perspectives. And if you are a spiritual person, which I assume you would be, if you're listening to this, a lot of that is about introspection and about learning and shape shifting. And this is a perfect opportunity to do so. It's a perfect opportunity to lean into the discomfort we've been talking about like this whole episode. (laughs) Oh, Les, you're amazing. Um, so we're going to continue this conversation over at Patreon. So if you're a Patreon member, you can go to patreon.com slash the lovely Alia to listen to the rest of this episode. But before we go, is there anything that like is really on your heart that you just feel like for 2023 people need to know? Mm. Leaning into flexibility, which is my theme. We've talked about a lot. Um, 
leaning into flexibility, being willing to let things go and, and don't be afraid to let things go and let, by let things go. I don't mean build up walls. I don't mean shut people out. I don't mean plug your ears when something feels uncomfortable, but be willing to let go of beliefs that no longer serve you. Be willing to let go of feeling like you need to suffer to, to receive, um, be willing to ask questions about why you believe what you believe. That's, that's what I'm going to be doing this year. So I want to invite others to do the same. I love it. I absolutely love it. Can you please tell people where they can find you? Yes. So my podcast balance black girl comes out every Tuesday. So you can probably listen to it wherever you are listening to spiritual shit. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at balance less and at balance black girl podcast. Thank you so much. Les, you have such a just inspiring voice and there's such a, a soothing softness to what you deliver, even if you're clapping back, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I love that the delivery is just like, okay, yeah, I can take that. Um, super beautiful. <laughs> go listen to her podcast, go check out all of her stuff. She brings a wealth of information and loveliness to this space. Um, and we will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Aaliyah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.